Handbook for Humanity is a production of the DeZormo Foundation, a nonprofit whose goal is to support the dignity of life, born and unborn. If you would like to support Handbook for Humanity and our mission to share truthful conversation about the body, spirit, sexuality, and being a better human today, visit DeZormoFoundation.org. That's D-E-S-O-R-M-E-A-U-X Foundation.org. To donate, look under Funds column and choose Theology of the Body. Thank you for your prayers and support. Okay, just a disclaimer as we um, dive into the topic of pornography uh, for the Handbook for Humanity for the next couple of weeks. We want to make sure that our listeners are aware that some of the content may not be appropriate for younger listeners. Um, We look forward to sharing this topic, but we want to create a safe space to do so. Welcome, and thank you so much again for joining us on Handbook for Humanity. Again, Colby Allen, your main host, and joining me in the studio is Miss Becky. Hello. Man on the street, Tom. Yes, we're off the street and we're in the studio today. Oh, should we call you man off the street now? Because <laughs> <laughs> Anything is good. Anything is good. And uh, our special guest, Mr. Greg Broussard. Uh, hello, Greg Broussard here. Um, 56-year-old, single male, um, a null from the Diocese of Lafayette. And um, I'm grateful to be here visiting with uh, friends and new friends. Fantastic. So thank you for joining us. Uh, last week, um, Becky and them had the conversation with Miss Margaret, right? Yes, Margaret Rex. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are hoping to continue that conversation in slightly different perspective uh, with you joining us today, Greg, and some of the ministry that, that you work with. So I guess let's go ahead and dive in. So we're really grateful for you to join us. I wonder if you could maybe just take a minute to, again, introduce yourself, share sure. a little bit about yourself, and then the healing ministry that you work with here in Acadiana. Sure. Um, so again, Greg Broussard, 56 year old, single male with an annulment. Um, I was married to a very good uh, woman who is, is still a um, good woman. She's a friend of mine today. Um, actually been spending the holidays with her and her husband and family. Um, so I was married for 21 years. We met, I was 24. She was 18. Uh, we ended up marrying two years later. We met on the beach in Destin, uh, for her senior trip. Um, after 21 years, we had two children, and my alcoholism um, and addictions uh, drove the family dynamic uh, to pieces. Um, mm. And uh, all she ever wanted was for me to get healthy and to be able to be a, a good father for my children. Um, and so my last uh, sip of alcohol was October 11th, 2011, um, and it's been a road to recovery since then. Um, but that that bad dynamic in the family also involved uh, pornography, um, pill addiction, and alcoholism, and uh, which have all been a struggle. And um, I'm, I'm grateful for the recovery of them because it's taught me so much. Um, and I, I don't regret the suffering one bit. Um, I don't want to go through it again, but yeah. uh, we, we understand the redemptive suffering. Um, mm-hmm. So fast forward, I have a 23, 22-year-old son um, and a 19-year-old daughter, um, and we all have a good relationship with uh, their mother's family. Uh, we're all very close. Um, so the Divorce Recovery Ministry, um, I guess in 2012, 2013, um, there really was nowhere to turn when I was forced um, out of the house. Um, I had a couple of good friends in my life, good men who kept me on the right track, uh, kept me out of trouble, 
Um, and I, I went into recovery right away. So there were some good men in the 12 step program who also, um, helped me to stay on the right track. Um, about 2012, 2013, I ran into Michelle Hernandez, who is a counselor for, um, here in Lafayette mental health, but she also works with the diocese of Lafayette in divorce recovery ministry. So I went through her course at the diocese and uh, still wasn't aware that I was about to become a facilitator for it. Um, <laughs> and so God led me down the path to thinking I could help others uh, through his guidance. Um, and since then, we have gone through training with the Diocese of Lafayette um, with Father Jude Halfin, um, Kelly Chapman. And um, we started in 2015, Our Lady of Fatima. And um, mm-hmm. we've been at... We're probably in our 20th different session now. Probably met 200 people through the course, uh-huh. and um, there's always a waiting list. Um, as, really? Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God sends them to us. Um, we don't turn anyone away, and we always have the right size group. As um, mm-hmm. long as I stay out of God's way, everything mm-hmm. works out mm-hmm. fine. Um, so we've worked at Our Lady of Fatima, we've worked at St. Jules, we've worked off-site during the pandemic, and now we're working at St. Anne's in Youngsville through Father Russo. So, okay. Thank you for sharing. I know, sure. uh, I know my, my work and a lot of others, it's pretty common. People say one of the best ways to learn is to teach. That's exactly right. <laughs> and so uh, I think that also applies to ministry. So not that, you know, I think the analogy is bad when people say you don't have to go to a doctor that's had cancer to be treated, yeah, right. but yeah, right. but having, having experienced something that others – I've also like it, it's a different bridge of empathy. Yes, because you you literally have suffered in the same way that mm-hmm. they have, and so um, I think I shared another episode a while back. But a ministry house that I used to work in, one of our our inspirational moments going out the door was we would say evangelization is telling one beggar where to find bread. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so yeah. when yeah. when we have felt that hunger that others have also, it's I don't want to say easier, but it's mm-hmm. a different way to connect. Yeah. You let's, let's see how the saying goes. Um, if you don't give it away, you can't keep it. A mm. uh, 12 step program, um, helping others to stay sober. Um, my healing has been dynamic throughout this whole process. It's like a little bit, a little bit more comes to the surface mm-hmm. through every class that we facilitate. Um, and in, any success through this ministry has nothing to do with me it's all i'm only an instrument in in the whole process Mm -hmm. um when when god's involved in it it's going to work it's going to work well and it's the sacraments the healing sacraments of Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. confession in the eucharist yeah Yeah. so exactly so you mentioned meetings so could you maybe tell us a little bit about the structure or how do those meetings normally go sure so it it is a 12-week course um each session lasts 12 weeks um, it is a video-driven course um, through Ascension Press. Rose Sweet developed the program, um, and she's on Catholic Answers from time to time. She's incredible in this ministry. She's very accessible to us, too. I've emailed with her. I've communicated with her a few times. She's very quick to respond. So anyway, the sessions go in order. Like the first session is shock. The second one will be denial. 
third one is grief, then anger, then letting go, dealing with family. They go in, I guess, the steps that somebody would typically go through when they're recovering from divorce. Um, Not everyone goes through those um, steps in order. Mm -hmm. Some go through them out of order. um, Mm -hmm. But the majority of it is very messy, uh, depending on which order you go through. So we watch a 25-minute video, and I've seen these videos each session. I've seen them probably 30 times each, and they're still very good. Um, Again, more healing comes to the surface. Uh, More things bubble up. Um, uh, have an empathy for the people suffering because um, I suffered terribly for two years um, because uh, divorce is very unorthodox. Uh, people who haven't been through it um, really don't understand mm-hmm. uh, the pain involved. It's a little different than a death, um, both painful, yeah. but it's yeah. it's different. Um, mm-hmm. So we watch a video. The dynamic bills as the class goes so like um, Sunday will be our sixth sixth session our sixth class in this current session and the group is really bonding strong already um, we'll watch the video it's like 25 minutes long and then we have a discussion session after that and the total class the total length of class is about an hour and 45 minutes mm-hmm. um, and the discussion follows the video, uh, sometimes it gets off track. And um, so my job is just to keep the discussion on track, keep mm-hmm. the facilitation yeah. going. And, um, you know, it's challenging at times. You have a dominant talker in the group, and it's tough to uh, keep it on track. But mm-hmm. um, we pray going into the class, and we pray going out of the class. Mm-hmm. So God, he, he takes care of everything in there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. so you mentioned like a video and then discussions. So you mentioned each week is kind of a different stage. So the content is they propose, I guess, the stage and ask people to share, I guess, their personal experiences or you don't have to share any, I guess, any anecdotal things sure. that might come up, but. How yeah. Does... So the, um, some people are always willing to share. Some don't want to share. Sure. Some you have to ask them. And as soon as you ask them, they're, they're wide open. Hmm. Um, but I, I don't need, to be asked to share. I'm an extrovert, <laughs> choleric. I'm ready to roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> time. Uh, but some of them in really need to be poked. And uh, when they do, they find it's healing. Um, it's, it's very healing to get everything out. And um, so it, the more you suppress it, um, the suffering, the more it will manifest in other areas, typically anger. Um, and <clears throat> anger normally comes out on those we love the most, the ones we're most comfortable with, our family. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least in true. our in our mm-hmm. recovery from divorce. So I've heard also, I guess a similar way to say it is impression without expression can lead to depression. Mm-hmm. I like go. that. Never heard that. Because when you constantly you're taking things in, you're you're carrying more weight and you're taking more things on. And if you don't have an outlet or uh, a healthy way to express that, then yeah, it's just gonna hold you down and, and yeah. make you, like you said, have those reactions and feelings. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you said, take it out on our loved ones. This week, I had a situation at work that a conversation in a meeting got heated and things weren't resolved when we walked away and I did bring it home <laughs> Yeah. and yeah. and Valerie got it when I walked in the door and, and a few minutes later, we had to have a moment to, to share that. But uh, yes, even now going through divorce with the pains that you're talking about, you know, those principles are very, very easy mm-hmm. to see in a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So um, I think one of the reasons we, we wanted to invite you here too, because you mentioned struggling with addiction, yes. is uh, in, in relationship to divorce, it seems to be either a growing uh, issue or is, has always been an issue, but maybe becoming more to light, the connections of addiction with how that affects those relationships and ultimately could lead to divorce. Yes. Um, so could you maybe share um, about how either addictions, either through the pornography or like you mentioned, alcoholism or how that could either affect um, direct factors for, for couples who are trying to live together and then ultimately how that can lead to those issues? Sure. Um, so the ones that we typically interact with um, are people that are, are suffering from divorce. There's, there's divorces out there that happen for people who are just tired of being living, living with somebody, and mm. it doesn't seem to affect them the way it does um, somebody who's trying to uh, live the a marriage as God intended. Yeah. So you can, as as the sessions are unfolding and they're unpacking their story, you can almost tell. It's like, okay, there's there's obviously infidelity involved in this. There's addiction to pornography. And I always ask if, you know, the husband or the, the wife um, if had, is an alcoholic. And it's 99.9% of the time, it's yes. Wow. And mm-hmm. same percentage of uh, pornography, too. Wow. Um, it doesn't come up that often in our recovery, um, in our ministry, but they go hand in hand, like wow. you said. Um, I was in a support group. I'm sorry, yeah. Becky. Well, when you say it doesn't come up, um, do you mean addiction in general doesn't come up? I mean, it's, the not, pornography. it's not processed mm. as part of the content? It's not. It's it, not. It is, is that not. what you mean by that? I do, yes. Yeah. Okay. And the content could probably be upgraded to yeah. uh, update it to include yeah. that. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, because listening to Margaret's mm-hmm. um, podcast yeah. uh, from last episode, um, I know Margaret very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I see her at Saturday morning mass at St. Pius, mm-hmm. just about every week. Mm-hmm. And our ministries have crossed over. Um, yeah. So I know the pain that's involved with mm-hmm. her ministry. She does wonderful work. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Yeah. So if it's not part of the curriculum, but you mentioned if you ask it very, very frequently, it's it's part of the conversation. It almost always, always, ninety nine percent of the mm-hmm. time. Do you think that coming into those meetings that at that time they recognize that might be a contributing factor, or is it kind of part of the process that they learn? It seems like some do and some don't. Okay. Um, it doesn't it doesn't affect everyone the same. Sure. Um, but as a spouse of a husband or wife that has used it, which is, you know, again, going back to percentages, is about 99% men. Uh, most of the women feel like they're betrayed mm. um, by it. In in the pornography recovery that I was doing, um, a lot of the men that were in there who have become good friends of mine, their wives felt like they've been cheated on. Yeah. Um, that is the way it was viewed by them. Yeah. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. they happen. So, you know, yeah. adultery, they have been adultery of the heart. That's mm-hmm. correct, and in yeah. other ways as well. And even, I mean, as you're saying this, I'm recalling. Uh, I've also seen more frequently too in in young Catholic discussion groups or like online forums and stuff that even young couples have gotten divorced very quickly mm-hmm. because either the husband or the wife had some addiction that they brought into the relationship that 
was not disclosed or it was hidden very well. It was hidden very well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not until you're actually sharing a space with someone that you find it's more difficult to hide something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, even, even if they haven't been married that long, it's, it's such a big issue that yes. I don't think people realize how heavy it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was in a, um, a small group, uh, setting recently, um, in a parish and it, um, there was a, a young father who was sharing his testimony, you know, and pornography was part of the topic. And it really impressed me how he introduced himself with it. I mean, his involvement in it, he said, I was committing adultery through pornography. And so you often have that sense that the woman feels that way, but here he owned it and, and, and affirmed that it was real, Yeah, you know, and that I think that's part of, I think the justice of being able to heal together as a couple, whether it be the woman or the man or both, uh, to recognize that 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 is what's happening there. Um, And to to name it and to be aware of it is to then be able to heal from it. I think that might be part of it. Because when we look at the scriptures, you know, Mm -hmm. thou shalt not commit adultery. Right. uh, Thou shalt not covet thy name of wife. Mm -hmm. And then Christ appealing, you know, yeah. He who lusts after another woman commits adultery of the heart. In the heart. It's it's right. pretty pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like you said, if they don't really even look at it that yeah. way. Right. Like how many people I'll say this in a way that may sound a little harsh, but um like maybe have the maturity to look at it right. for what it is. Right. But it's just been a habit from either a young age or yeah. some other catalyst in their life. Mm-hmm. And it isn't until it might be challenged. Or that it's yeah. harmed someone else. Yeah. That like you, you mentioned the first stage is what shock. Yes. Yeah. So even with mm-hmm. recognizing addiction, there might be kind of like that shock factor. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, like this is pretty serious or yeah. pretty important. I just had a sense this young man, this young father really had a grasp on the sacrament of mm-hmm. marriage and the value of it and deeply had been formed really well to be able to acknowledge that. You know, I th- so, like you said, Colby, it, it could be just a, a level of like it's not even on the radar. Yeah to be able to understand it at that depth. But I think he struck truth, you know, when he said it and that it really impacted. His wife was sitting right next to him and you could tell tears were coming down, but it was tears of healing. Yeah, You know, like she was, yeah, she looked like she was so proud of him for the way that he was speaking about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Greg, you you mentioned earlier on about the the denial part about it as well. Um, How hard is that to, to move people away from it or that they're involved in the program, you see maybe they're a little bit more able to kind of move into an acceptance that this is a wrong thing or um, maybe some stories without, you know, getting too detailed, but how does that process work? Because it seems like that would be what the biggest resistance you would run up against because it's everywhere. You cannot get away from it. Um, And so it's it's, uh, once you're, connected to it, I would imagine uh, thinking that it's something that's wrong kind of goes against, hey, this is just what I, who I am and what I do. So you're talking about denial from the... Pornography, from yeah. The pornography, pornography. Yeah. Yeah. okay. I thought you meant from divorce because, uh, yeah, they're kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, most men that I know um, would probably say the same thing, that, you know, before we started trying to live a sacramental life, we, we didn't think it was harmful to anyone mm-hmm. um and matt fred said in um his talk about taking down goliath um used to take time money and effort to acquire pornography 
Now it takes time, money, and effort to avoid it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, indeed. That's a yeah. Wow. I've never heard that. That's yeah. And yeah, I can remember seeing magazines when I was like fourteen or fifteen, mm-hmm. and I still remember the images vividly. Um, yes, I mean mm-hmm. that is just that is diabolical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the denial, um, you know, it um, it it's a pain number. Um, Christopher West talks about um, in the theology of the body how we trying to numb these these pains that we have in uh, sex, drugs, rock and roll, yeah. And uh, the pornography certainly falls into that category. So um, again, most you know until I realized that it was um, harmful um, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, then mm-hmm. I was in denial to. Uh, to the effects of it. And uh, I think most men would probably answer the same way too. Yeah. Um, and I have friends that are priests and they will say the same thing that it's 80% of men's uh, problems in the confessional. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. T- speaking about that, I know recently I, I went on a, um, a, a little mini retreat and the discussion, a, a part of it was there was a discussion about the frequency of going to confession and the priest who was giving um, the, the, the little retreat was talking about just, he's very basic. He'll break down the Ten Commandments, and he's like, let's go through this, you know, unless it's somebody who's, you know, really maybe been visiting him often, but it's somebody who's maybe been out for a while. He'll jump right into that. And he was pretty much point blank. Um, you say you're okay with the top one, but you get just two or three or four or five into it and they all lead back to the first one so Mm -hmm. it's like Mm -hmm. okay uh let's let's take a look at this so the perspective of i'm not hurting anyone and you know you're ultimately hurting god if you break any of these Mm -hmm. at all so um, i think that was really something and he said a lot of his brother priests are going back to that just basics here it is. Here's the mm-hmm. yeah. Here's yeah. your examine. Here it is. Let's let's walk through it. It's not that difficult. Something we've been looking at since yeah you know, we first got into the faith. So that's a great framework. Can mm-hmm. I can I bring in an analogy that we were talking about before we even started recording? So sure. We uh before we all showed up, Tom and I were talking work mm-hmm. and about how oftentimes within either a product or a contract or something, there's just a very very important term that is pretty crucial to understanding how the product works. Mm -hmm. But people either don't read it, they don't understand the contract, they don't know it's there. Yeah. Or when they do know it's there, they are obstinately opposed to it because they don't think it's important. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the same because like Christopher uses the the example of, you know, how many of you want a happy and healthy marriage? How many of you want to love your spouse freely, totally, faithfully, right? So it goes to the the positives. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, by saying yes to those questions, you also agree to all of these other conditions and and responsibilities to make sure that happens. Yeah. And pornography and sexual integrity is one of those terms. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's kind of part of the package deal. But whenever, like you said, like the the commandments, right? Everybody agrees with the top one, but when you start getting down to the the more granular level that's where the challenge kind of comes in. Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, it's hard. It's hard, especially yeah. if, if you've lived your life a very specific way for so long and kind of like what you said, like numbness in a way and habit, or even the word addiction. I think mm-hmm. we've even talked about the definition. Okay. I'll do my word in a moment. Yeah. But addiction is <laughs> the, the definition or the etymology of the word is to 
to act without question. Hmm. So a diction is to, to not speak is to just act without asking the question, why am I doing this? What is the value of me doing this? And for so many things that we look at that are valuable, we do ask those questions. Like, why is this worth my time, effort, money for me to invest myself in this? But there are other things that we don't ask that question. Like, is this worth my time, effort, or money? Mm -hmm. Pornography is definitely that Mm -hmm. situation where we should be asking that question. Um, Yeah. But because it's so, so deeply rooted and connected to one of our our core ways that we are called to love and express ourselves, it's a it's a challenge it's a powerful draw yeah there's no doubt about it yeah i mean it's a biological draw it's a it's an emotional draw it's Mm -hmm. a psychological like it it pulls at every part of who we are as a person Mm -hmm. that's how strong it is yeah but also to that end how great of a responsibility it is yeah yeah um we talked about the feast and the banquet yes you mentioned Mm -hmm. before that but yeah it's like it's so easy to just go through the drive-thru at mcdonald's Mm-hmm. Or yeah. go to the grocery store and buy something that's truly valuable and, and healthy for our bodies. Right. And that's the same way. Uh, I don't want to keep going on a tangent, but like we've even talked about the language of the body, right? Yes. How we how we yeah. communicate with our bodies. And the intimate relationship between spouses is a conversation. Yes. It like we're speaking mm-hmm. truth, like we're speaking the language of the body. And if we're not speaking that language and truth, it's going to cause confusion it's going to cause pain it's going to cause resentment it's going to cause all these residual feelings that are outside of its purpose yeah but within that using that same analogy if if the intimate relationship between spouses is a conversation having a monologue yeah who are we communicating with right who are we trying to be heard by Mm -hmm. who are we trying to be known by yeah or that's the appeal of pornography is is that I'm not being told no. I'm being right. accepted. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. I can say what I want and nobody's going to push back. Mm. And so I can have that monologue. I can stay in a soapbox and say whatever I want. And, and I'm not being told that I'm not worthless. I'm right. not being told that I'm, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. And so that monologue is a lot more appealing for a lot of people because to be vulnerable and actually be intimate with someone else is a risk it's a risk yeah it takes work it takes yeah. a lot of work yeah mm-hmm. man so we've talked about i guess a couple of the stages what are maybe some uh success stories or positive experiences that maybe have happened around some of these conversations with some of the people that you've encountered in your ministry um well the the, the pain is so deep for for so many of these people that come through mm-hmm. um like the classes, if if we have um, eight people in the class, for instance, seven of them will be women, one of them will be men. Um, but out of these men over the last eight years, I've, I've made probably about four or five really good friends um, mm-hmm. that we do things with. Every Saturday morning we go to um, rosary, we go to confession, rosary, mass, St. Pius, go to breakfast at tikkuns after and then mm-hmm. then we're kind of on our way for the weekend um and for me i i there really was no chart to 
you know, gauge my healing. I just, I knew I was getting better. I had guys who I'd made Curcia with who were in my corner and they just kept telling me that it was going to be so beautiful that once I cleared the backside of it. And um, I, I knew they were right, but when you're in the midst of, uh, when you're in a crucible, um, your body's on fire, everything just feels terrible. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew I was getting there. I was making progress. So to watch the men that I've grown close with, um, that I can see suffering. I mean, they'll come to us with the mm -hmm. shakes. Um, it, it, you know, you almost have to tell them when to eat because it, it's just it's that bad for some people. Wow. And uh, everyone's a little bit different, yeah. too. Um, to watch them stay close to the sacraments, follow suggestions of, uh, you know, that what the church teaches, this is, you know, stay single till, till your marriage is reviewed. And if there's a decree of nullity, because if you throw another relationship in there, it's just going to, the bottom's going to fall out again. Mm -hmm. But to watch them do the right things and to get better, uh, it's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, because I know what it's like to be in a state of grace. And um, it's, a, it's hard. I mean, the topic we're on today, all you have to do is look around, billboards, um, smartphones, um, but to stay in a state of grace, um, it's palpable. Um, and to watch their recovery step by step, um, it's beautiful. Awesome. So, that's know. awesome. That's real, yeah, that's really hopeful. It, it is. And if they do it right, there's a 100% chance they'll recover. Mm -hmm. um, they just have to do it right. Yeah. And, uh, nobody likes to put in the work. Yeah. So, I heard you mention earlier about um, having good men in your life. Um, in so many different levels, that's a that's a huge statement. Um, Kobe talking about contracts earlier. That's something that we should all sign and try to have a group of folks, yeah. you know, in our lives. But if you could share some stories, um, what what are things that maybe um, some of our listeners could look for in in other family members or friends or coworkers? Um, any signs that they could maybe pick up on uh, that they may see folks that are struggling with this and then to me the most difficult thing would be how do you open up a conversation about it are there you know anything that you can share with us that that sure may have walked through that because it's, it's like hey that might be that person's problem and you don't want to jump in but man I, i've had the experience a few times and to be that man in someone's corner when they do make that turn um that's not something that uh you could replace easily. No. It's a very awesome experience, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I would say start with the come Holy Spirit prayer. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the 12-step recovery, um, we ask when it's time to make amends that, um, you know, we ask God to put them in front of you um, when the time is right. And I would do the same for for a family member or somebody struggling. Um, uh, when someone is suffering, um it, I, I found, and I, I read this in a booklet I got from um, my counselor's office on grief, that um, family and friends are not typically the ones that come out. It's um, other people will emerge. Um, and I two friends, uh, Tim Buller and Nick Hebert, Um Tim is the one who um, lost a son. Um, it's been, I think, Jacob passed away. It's been about 20 years. Um, but I was able to move into his house temporarily. Um, 
and he he pushed me towards uh, recovery, towards twelve step program. He had Al Anon books all over his house. Uh, mm. Just a genuine guy, authentic guy, good man. Um, very good friend till this day. Um, see him at St. Jules quite a bit. And then Nick A. Bear, whose wife was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer right around the time I was forced out of the house. These two men um, and a couple more um, came out and um, they weren't pushing or prodding, but they were just there, their presence. Um, and Nick worked for Father Russo or Lady Fatima. So we would get together about two or three times a week and uh, we'd sit in the cry room at Fatima where it was quiet and we'd get spiritual group, small group, just nice. he and I. Um, that's good. Yeah. That's where that's where the work happens, small group. And um, Nick and I have shared quite a bit. Um, and his, his wife is now a saint uh, who I know is praying mm. for both of us. So I don't mm. know. If, did you know Mary Bear? Sounds familiar, her name, but I don't, yeah, I don't know if I did. I do. She taught at JPG. Um, okay. Yeah, beautiful family. Oh, uh, I think I've seen pictures of her um, with people that I've interacted with at, at JPG, and, and they've talked about her. There was you know, a book I, written about yeah. her. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah. It's in Acadiana Catholic. In Mary's yeah, right. eyes. Um, yes. Right. Yes, I've heard a lot about her. I, you know, I'm just, remember, I'm just back home after yes. being gone for 20 years, so I'm still getting to know <laughs> right. all these great people that I haven't <laughs> uh, in that time. So, yeah, that's, she must be one of them. She, when did she die? Do you remember? I do. Um, January 31st, uh, 2017. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. I've beautiful. seen the book over yeah. there at the bookstore. Mm -hmm. Beautiful soul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned he was that, he had reached out to you, and I guess it's that level of trust that he extended to you or offered you the invitation. And how did you meet him? I was actually, I did not know Nick. I, uh, I knew who he was. Um, I was coming out of adoration at Fatima, and he was going in and. Uh, it's just a God moment. You know, we suffering written on my forehead with a Sharpie and mm -hmm. the same for Nick. Um, two different types of suffering, but, uh, you know, Father Russo formed Mary and Nick uh, before their wedding, their, their pre-Cana stuff. And the way Father Russo formed somebody, you, you're not getting an annulment <laughs> when it's all said wow. and done. Mm -hmm. um, so they had a beautiful marriage. He would, wow race home from work to be with her. Um, so he suffered. Um, Nick told me one time that, he, you know, he, before Mary actually passed away, he went through the process in his mind just a thousand times. Wow. Um, he was, it was, it, it was, it was very hard on him. Sure. Um, so in that suffering, we bonded and became very close friends. Mm -hmm. um, they're still very close to this day. So, mm -hmm. So wow. the uh, yeah. So scripture is iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. Shows yeah. Man sharpens mm -hmm. fellow man. I mean, right there, you have a perfect example sharing about how two men shaping and sharpen one another. Yeah. I I can't encourage that enough in our groups that the, the women stay same sex while they're recovery, and the men stay same sex in small group, um, because it's it. You know, I I need a perspective different from mine because my perspective is going to lie to me. Sure. Um, uh -huh. Just about, you know, unless I'm in a state of grace 24-7, which is so hard, um, I I need other men telling me that's not a good idea. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Look, mm -hmm. I'm 56 years old, but I still make uh, 
I can still make a bad decision mm-hmm. you know, from time to time. Yeah. When even, and we talk about this in other ways of ministry, but how we talk about how, you know, God the Father and how we relate to him. And it's oftentimes that men may not grow up with a, a strong or good father figure in their life, which is maybe something that leads them to find some mm-hmm. other masculine image in some other way. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so not that it's like a pseudo dad in your life, but having another man that you can trust and respect and, and something healthy, healthy. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But also that they're willing to offer you their time yeah. and, and be a, a gift to your life. Uh, sure the same. I always talk about my dad and our relationship, but there was a moment where we started having really hard conversations and I remember challenging him about a couple of things. And he said something that I was not expecting. And, but it was good because it was honest. And he said, you know, you're, you're telling me about these things that you wanted. You know the relationship I have with my dad. I don't know how I could have given you those things because I didn't have myself. That's right. Mm-hmm. And you said it earlier, right? If you have something, it's, if you don't have it, yeah, I mean, yeah. To, to give it away. Yeah. So having uh, trust in the Lord that he's going to provide that friend, that man in your life to, to help you walk through that. Um, that's a great gift. So I appreciate you, yeah. you sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you mentioned you went through the group with father Jules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you say a little bit more about that for our listeners in case anyone would want to check that out? Yes. What is that like and, and how do they connect with him? Um, you can either get in touch with me, um, mm-hmm. Greg Broussard at gmail.com. Okay. Um, or through their local uh, parish priest. Um, okay. Because um, the ministry is, is known out there. Um, it's an accountability group um, where you, it's like a check-in. Um, each week mm-hmm. you check in. Um, and um, you're able to, you know, bring out in the open the things that you've done. Um you know, because there's guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Um, guilt says, yeah, what I did was wrong. Shame says, uh, you know, I'm terrible. And mm-hmm. uh, they're completely different. <laughs> so it helps the shame to um, be minimized in your struggle. And uh, it brings more of the healthy guilt in. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, Father Jules is there for confession if you need it. Um, but uh, the sacramental life of the church, uh, I... I I can't imagine going through recovery without uh, without the healing sacraments. Sure. Um, I know where confessionals are around, around town, all. what times to go, mm-hmm. uh, what church I can go to. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank God. So. Yeah. I guess as we uh, maybe get close to wrapping up, um, I think Tom asked a great question. So what maybe be a couple pieces of advice for men or someone else who's listening currently might be in that struggling part of their life, but they might not have a good mentor or friend that they could trust. What are maybe some words of encouragement to offer them to step out and maybe take that initiative? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, because I have about as addictive of personality um, as anyone. And my, my drug of choice was more. And if you told me I was going to be able to break a lot of these habits um, back then, I would have said there was no way. Um, I had to suffer through a lot, um, it, but you know, everyone's different. I don't think um, 
the guy next to me would go through recovery the same as I would, um, just like we in divorce recovery. Uh, divorce recovery, no one mm-hmm. does it the same. I would say to stay very close to the sacraments. Keep a rosary in your pocket because um, Satan is terrified of Mary in her humility, her beautiful humility. And um, if you keep a rosary in your pocket and you pray the rosary daily, you're going to give up one or two things. You're either going to give up the rosary or you're going to give up pornography. Mm-hmm. And um, I love keeping my rosary on me. So I would say to, I would say to start with the sacraments and seek out the advice of a good priest, a good trusted priest, um, or a deacon, um, spiritual advisor, somebody who can help you unpack these uh, these problems, um, get to the get to the root of them, the sensuality that's involved with it. So, I think too the the affirmation that healing is possible. Absolutely, it's like you said, it's it's hard work, it's it's challenging, but. You know, you mentioned struggles you've gone through. I've shared about, you know, my prior gambling addictions, like healing is definitely possible. Yes. I wouldn't trade the suffering I went through for anything. Yeah. I'm very grateful for it. Um, again, I don't want to go through it again. <laughs> but, sure. uh, but yes, healing is, it's beautiful. It's available to all of us too. Amen. You, you mentioned uh, Matt Frad. Yes. Does a, does a program. Um, and then, of course, you know, we have... Um, our program here for uh, Handbook for Humanity, mm-hmm. um, but I, I was I was wondering, uh, Kobe, I'm I'm gonna call you and Becky out on this one and just say, mm-hmm. is is there something that you guys could add to the conversation from a theology of the body perspective on, mm-hmm. you know, in God's creation, maybe why to go down this path is so wrong, why it's mm-hmm. against. Um, his nature and and why he's created us from from the writings of, of um, yeah saint john paul ii yeah well we did that whole um that whole episode on nakedness mm-hmm. right and we talked about um about the intimacy that we need that's appropriate for us to be able to bear ourselves in a nakedness whether it be emotionally you know, are psychologically sharing stories of your life and and physical nakedness. Yeah. And in fact, um, John Paul II wrote a whole a whole section on the, making an argument for this this exact thing. It all boils boils down to that physical nakedness. To share physical nakedness requires intimacy. And we can all, like when we talk about we all, these human experiences that are in common, I think we can all think about that and get to the, the agreement that that's true. At some point in your life, in innocence, you covered yourself when someone you didn't know could see you naked. You know, even in childhood, we do that. If it's our parents, if it, you know, if it's our sibling who we share a room with, but if you're in a dressing room and somebody walks in, you know, you would automatically have that reaction. It's just a, it's a, and so John Paul II talks about that, about that nakedness, there's an, there's an intimacy, a familial bond that nakedness is appropriate in, you know, and that anything outside of that it will, will be an offense. And he, he even talks about how the difference between, um, like, art mm-hmm. of the naked body and photography and videography of the naked body and where 
the line is that is crossed with videography and and photography with a naked body um, because in some sense the artist is the veil and the medium is the veil right when it's photography when it's videography even if it's meant to be quote unquote art it still is is an ex exposure of the naked body that is going to be the subject i mean the object of so many subjects who have varying degrees of ways of looking upon that photo- photograph which is a a exact image of that person's body and the videography is the same thing i mean he's the pope that when he got to the vatican said like they at when he became pope at that time the the statues of michelangelo had fig leaves placed over what really had been created by michelangelo as the beautiful nakedness that could be looked upon in all its beauty you know at, in the sculptures and the paintings and those kind of things that were created you know to lift the mind and the heart to god and true beauty and john paul ii said when he got there take those fig leaves off because the naked body was meant to raise the mind and the heart of humankind to the love of God. And, and now we know why (laughs) he said that with this beautiful teaching that we keep breaking open. Um, and so, um, yeah. And I, and I've often said, I don't remember if I've said it in this podcast, but I've often said, shared that that was the, that was one of the things that drew me into knowing I needed to know more about theology of the body. Um, Dr. Hardy had given me a cassette tapes, you know, we keep talking about our cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that was one of the first things I heard was uh, Christopher West talking about that, that the Pope, um, you know, the story I just said about the Pope wanting to have those fig leaves removed. Having grown up with so much pornography around me as a young child and in the 80s through cable television and MTV and all of the things that came from that, it just struck something in me that I wanted to know more. How could the naked body raise the mind, be created? I mean, it was, it was meant to, meant, like the purpose of it is for us to have our minds and our hearts to be able to be lifted up and experience the love of God through nakedness. But it's nakedness properly revealed, right? Yeah. yeah. Properly revealed. So that's kind of the heart of, of the teaching. I mean, there's more in that section, sure. But, uh, Colby, can you say anything else about what you've encountered through yeah. the, the audiences about that? Yeah, so uh, very vividly, I do also recall learning in the course where Christopher talked about from the, the writings that marriage is the primordial sacrament from which all others flow. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so in the beginning, in the garden, it was Adam and Eve were created for one another, and they were called to union and to know one another. Yes. And so even the word knowledge in Scripture was synonymous with uh, the spousal mm-hmm. intimacy. Mm-hmm. Adam knew his wife. And so knowing another person in a way that no one else will ever do is something that was designed by God himself. Yes. <clears throat> and so when you hear the term, you know, marriage is the primordial sacrament, for me, what that kind of points to and means is that um, anything outside of that is kind of a contraindication of, you know, what the sacramental mystery is. And so oftentimes we 
it's I guess the the really clear examples when people talk about you know why do Catholics disagree with homosexual marriage or why do we disagree with mm-hmm. transgender rights yeah. or mm-hmm. for me in my mind the way that I see it it's not that those things are singled out it's extramarital activity is what is what we're we're not designed for yes and that includes pornography that includes homoerotic activity that includes all these other things that are that are contrary to the spousal language of the body it is only the spousal language of the body that actually brings that free total faithful and fruitful love yes and so uh, i guess a more prevalent example that i usually try to share with young people is you know you you participate in sexual activity outside of being married does that have any weight for you like does it have any value for you other than just to be crass a few seconds of pleasure mm-hmm. and right. anticipation and excitement yes how many of us would look at you know the priest saying mass at the altar and know very clearly that that's a special moment he is specifically ordained to offer mass at that altar mm-hmm if you encounter a seminarian who is learning to be a priest but is not yet ordained, mm-hmm. if they go up to the altar, they say the exact same words, mm-hmm. they use the same material, the yeah. same substance, is it the same? No. It's not. It does not become the body mode of Christ. Yes. And so same motions, same words, mm-hmm. same possibly intention. Same intent. That's same right. intent. You do not get the same result. And close to having the authority to do so if it's a seminarian. Exactly. But not yet. Exactly. <laughs> right? So when, when yeah. St. Paul says, you know, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, mm-hmm. that is the call to spouses to, we say the marriage bed is the mm-hmm. altar. Yeah. If you go to the Basilica in St. Louis, the entire church is covered in mosaics. The mm-hmm. mosaic that is central right above the altar is a bed. It's a marriage bed. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's this call that the altar is the marriage bed of Christ and the church. Yes. And so as spouses, when we encounter or we approach the marriage bed, just like Tobias and, and mm-hmm. his wife, right? Mm-hmm. We should approach with reverence. Yeah. Because yeah. when we approach the body of Christ, when we are not in the state of grace, you are you are calling judgment upon yourself. Yes. And so it's the same. There were, you know, engaging in pornography, extramarital relationships. Right. We, we are calling for judgment because we are not living in that, that primordial sacrament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's probably a pretty high, high way to look at it, but no, for me that was good. that was that, a moment where it I'm just. I'm so glad you laid the foundation because that it really is that that's where everything else springs from in these tough topics that we talk about. If we don't lay the foundation of that, you know, um, it's easy to. Um, yeah, to get off course and not to be able to see where the where the heart of the matter really is yeah. in that spousal relationship, that intimacy that was made for man and woman to reflect that love, right? That's kind of a side tangent, yeah. but it was uh, what I'm going to say is controversial. But I do think that the intention of say Eastern religions, where women wear either burqas or veils in public, mm-hmm. it's it's speaking, I think, to that because the the perspective is no one can see my beauty except for my husband mm. so i think that's the extreme case of it yeah but sure. but the the meaning of the heart is my my beauty my dignity my nakedness mm-hmm. 
is only to be known by one other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to protect that to an extreme. But if we, we kind of look at that in our own perspective is, yeah, like our, our bodies, like you said, that nakedness is. It requires intimacy. Requires intimacy. Yeah. It requires trust. It re- it's, mm-hmm. it's sacramental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and outside of that, it's fast food. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's cheap. Yeah. Thank you, Colby. Oh, yeah. Babe. All right. Well, sorry. I know we're kind of hopping off on a, a big note, but <laughs> Please don't uh, sorry. that was great. No, but Greg, thank you so much for yeah. joining. And um, I guess as we kind of wrap up, you shared some really good tips and advice and I think some valuable insights from your own life and the ministry that you work with. Uh, any final departing thoughts for those who are listening? Um, no, and it's, I guess, to kind of cover what uh, I've spoken before is to stay close to the sacraments, very close to the sacrament of confession and um, the Eucharist daily rosary. Um, and uh, just trying to be humble. Humility um, is probably what the devil hates the most. Um, and that is what we are fighting 100% um, is the devil's attacks. Um and just don't give up hope. Um, there is a beautiful life um, ahead of, you know, through recovery. So I want to thank you all for having me on here. Yeah, thank you for making uh, time. It's been yeah. a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Appreciate you sharing. And thank you for joining us today. You can find everything we referenced and discussed in today's show notes. If you'd like to contact us with a question or comment or anything you want to share, let us know. Please send an email to handbookfh1 at gmail.com. Again, that's handbook fh1 at gmail.com please subscribe to this podcast we are available on all major networks such as spotify apple or google if you have a minute please leave a review honest what you think we definitely want to know share with your friends family anyone who is human that you think can benefit from these conversations handbook for humanity is a production of the desormo foundation a nonprofit whose goal is to support the dignity of life born and unborn If you would like to support Handbook for Humanity and our mission to share truthful conversation about the body, spirit, sexuality, and being a better human today, visit DeZormoFoundation.org. That's D-E-S-O-R-M-E-A-U-X Foundation.org. To donate, look under Funds column and choose Theology of the Body. Thank you for your prayers and support.